0: today we are going to kind of continue on with our theme of experiencing Christmas. Uh, and what we've been doing is we've been kind of looking at the Christmas story through the eyes of different uh, people that were there at that time. You know, we usually at Christmas time, we read the Christmas story. We know Jesus was born in a manger because there's no room at the inn. We, we understand those things and, and the basics of it. But What I've come to learn in my life is that there is more depth to the story than just that. Uh, There's more meaning behind the different scenarios and and, uh, actions and and people that are involved in this uh, story. And so uh, if you got your Bibles, we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. And if you got it, you can stand to your feet, just if you're able to, just so I know you're ready. All right, I've always said you guys are very fast at getting there. I I love that. It means you know your Bible. It's also on the screen if you don't have a Bible with you today as well. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. This is what it says. I'm using the Christian Standard Bible this morning. It says this, in the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the city of David, a savior was born for you who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly, there was a multitude of the heavenly hosts with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to the people he favors. When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby, who was lying in the manger. After seeing them, they reported the message they were told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which they which were just as they had been told. Heavenly Father, we pray that you add your blessing to your word today. Speak to our hearts and our minds. Let us walk out of here and leave here today closer to you than what we were when we walked in. Lord, I thank you for what you're getting ready to do through your word today. And in your name we pray. Amen. And amen. You may be seated this morning. When we uh, set up our cute little nativity sets and all of those things uh, for Christmas decorations, and, and we have live nativities and, and all those great things. Those things are wonderful and amazing, um, but I, I, maybe I'm just overly picky um, with timelines and things like that biblically, but it's actually not true that the wise men were there uh, in the manger, in the stable. They didn't show up till Jesus was about two years old. And uh, that we'll talk about the wise men next week. So I'm not going to dive into that too much. But it's one of those things um, that I get picky about. But sometimes I'm glad I get a little picky about it because when you pick things apart, you learn some things. Uh, for example. Uh, A lot of times in the Christmas productions and things that I've seen, I've seen it where the wise men are the first ones to go visit, and then the shepherds kind of show up later, and that may vary based on the production and and how things are done, Uh, but in my experience, typically the wise men are the first ones to go. Uh, I don't know if it's just because they're wise or or what, or because their story is in Matthew and this one's in Luke, um, and that's how it's ordered, but in timeline, in true biblical timeline, the shepherds were the first to know other than Mary and Joseph, and they were actually the ones that showed up when Jesus was born. And uh, that, that says a lot, because when you understand shepherds, uh, they are not the most prominent people. They are not people that are really well uh, accepted by society. They kind of have the dirtiest job that there is. The, a job that nobody really wants, a job that people look down on and uh, they, they have a lot of disregard for and they really kind of forget all about the shepherds. So they, they, they were the first to know. And, and that speaks volumes to me. It, it reveals some things about God's nature and also reveals some things that God wants us to see in this story. You see, when God does stuff... In Scripture or in your life, it's never for just random uh, purposes and no reason, rhyme or reason to any of it. He always has a purpose for everything that he does. There's a reason why he showed it to shepherds and spoke to shepherds, but there's also a reason why he went to them first. I, I believe in this Scripture as, as we see this, these shepherds, uh, if you will just put yourself in their shoes for a moment here, Uh, They don't get a whole lot of news. They kind of figure things out secondhand or if at all. Things may happen they don't even know they happen until at some point in time they return back to the city and the town and somebody tells them about it months later. Because usually they're way out. uh, They were way out in the the wilderness with the sheep and they don't get a whole lot of news. Uh, These particular shepherds happen to actually be in the same region. They were not far off from where Jesus was born. And I'm going to get to that in a minute. But if, if we can like, look at this for a moment, thinking about how nobody ever talks to you, you never get any of the news, you, you, you're just kind of out there and nobody remembers you, and all of a sudden this angel shows up, and not only an angel shows up, but you actually get the greatest and, and biggest show and announcement out of all of them. Like you, you, get the, you get a whole heavenly host singing. You get, you get God's gospel choir of heaven singing praises to God, glorifying him about what has just taken place. I believe that that says a lot about how God views a certain level of humility. You see, this, this is a humble, humble job. It's hard to be a shepherd in the Bible times and be prideful about it. There's something about the shepherd's nature that that God was ministering to. It was like he was taking a highlighter and highlighting their role and saying there's there's a special role about these shepherds. I, I believe part of that is because God was revealing to us the importance of shepherds because he was almost as if he was throwing these shepherds a retirement party in some ways because their their job was going to be taken over by the shepherd. The birth of the good shepherd, the heavenly shepherd, has just arrived and it was as if God was highlighting this to say, hey, the shepherd is here now. He's going to shepherd you. He's going to watch over his flock. It was was like this highlighter that God had put on this by making it such a big production. He was was speaking to their humility by showing them, like, listen, you you don't really get much attention. You don't try to get attention. And because of that, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to speak to you in a way that I'm not speaking to anybody else. Humility opens the door to hear from God in ways that pride never will. When you find yourself humbled before God, he will reveal things to you and he will speak things to you that he won't speak to those who walk around with their head held high and they're walking with their chin up above everyone else. Because you can handle the information in a way that's going to glorify him rather than yourself. You see, if God would have went to the Pharisees, the religious elites at this time, they would have been the ones saying, look what God told us, look what God showed us. But you see, these shepherds didn't have that attitude. They went around glorifying God, declaring the things that God had done. It wasn't about them. It wasn't about how good they were. They never once once said anything about, guess how special we are that God told us about this. They, they went around saying, listen how good God is about what he's done and what he's shown us. It was never about them. Humility will open the door for God to reveal more to you than your pride ever will. It's a powerful thing. And, and I can just imagine uh, these shepherds, you know, they're not used to it. They don't get divine encounters often uh, out in these fields. They don't get visitations from angels. But also, uh, I think we need to understand what a biblical angel actually is. You know, we like to paint in, in the Christmas nativities and things. We get the cute little white robe outfit with the cute little fluffy angel wings and all of that. And, it's, and, and we get the kids all dressed up in bathrobes and things like that to portray uh, the nativity scene and all that. And that's all fine and dandy, but uh, I think we take away from the power and glory of what these angels carried and what they looked like. This was a terrifying event for a reason. It wasn't scary because they were taken by surprise. It was scary because of how humongous and powerful these angelic beings are. They're they're not these fluffy little floating-on-a-cloud babies that shoot arrows to make you fall in love with somebody like a Cupid. They they are powerful, powerful, terrifying beings. And so no wonder they were afraid. And, And I love it. They're so terrified. And in a moment, through this good message, in the middle of the night, they hear about the birth of Jesus. They rush into the city. And, and, well, before they rush into the city, I got ahead of myself there for a minute. They, They told the shepherds, this will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. Why is that itself specifically a sign? Why is the baby wrapped in cloth in a manger such a specific sign for the shepherds? You ever... I like. I ask a lot of questions because, like, they could have just said, "Go to this stable." It's the only stable that has a couple in it with a crying baby, and that's how you'll know. That I guarantee it wasn't a silent night. We just had a baby three months ago. About it was not a silent night. It was actually a long three days, or however long it was. I lost track after a while. But but there was, I guarantee you, Jesus was born, he came out screaming, and he was just like any other baby, other than he was the Son of God. But they could have said that, but why was it so specific that he was wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger? As if there was hundreds of other babies, and they said, okay, that one specifically. No, he was saying it because he was speaking to a knowledge that shepherds had at this time. You see, I begin to study the shepherds of this day. There, there is a, a code of conduct or a written uh, uh, tradition called the Mishnah. It's a Jewish tradition. Um, it, it's, it really dates in the time of the Pharisees being on the earth. It's around that time period. Um, and one of the theories based on those written traditions is that these shepherds were not just your normal shepherd. Yes, it was still a humble job. Yes, it was still the dirty job. But these shepherds were almost on a priestly level. You see, it wasn't normal for shepherds to be that close to the region, to that city. They weren't really allowed to be because of the dirtiness of the job. They didn't want all that mess near the city. They kept them far away. But according to this tradition, it is believed that these shepherds were specifically raising sheep for sacrifice. Their, their specific job was to raise sacrificial lambs. That adds a whole new weight to this story. That that not only were the shepherds a humble people and, and a people that were kind of forgotten by society, but that they these specific shepherds are believed to be priestly shepherds and to raise animals specific for sacrifice. So when you understand that, when you look at the babe being wrapped in swaddling clothes, as some translations say, and lying in a manger, uh, when you begin to study that and and see what these shepherds did and, and how they lived, one of the things that they did when a lamb was born is they wrapped it in a swaddling cloth. The reason being is because a lamb, in order to be worthy of being sacrificed, had to be perfect and spotless without wrinkle. And so as it was born into the world that is full of bugs and parasites and, and things that can cut and scratch, they had to do something to protect and preserve it. So when they were there, they would take this lamb and they would wrap it and protect it and preserve it in a way that it would grow. And as its wool began to grow in, to have that layer of protection, it could be protected from being, uh, being scratched or blemished and in order to keep it worthy for sacrifice. So no wonder this was a sign. And oftentimes they would actually lie them in a manger, according to this tradition. The Bible doesn't tell us this for sure, but as I was studying it, there's this theory that they not only wrapped them in the swaddling clothes, which, uh, which is powerful by itself, but they also would occasionally lay them in a manger as a way to keep them from running off when they were freshly born in order to be examined at birth for any defects. It was like it was like their doctor's table. And because they're out, they're taking care of sheep and all that, it's what they had handy. It was like God knew what he was doing or something. It's, it's like God was trying to show us something or show Mary and Joseph something through the birth of their child. He, he sent the shepherds first, and he used the sign of them being wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, because the shepherds understood the significance of it. And I imagine that that when they showed up, that just like they would examine one of their lambs that was just born, I, I imagine that they took some time and examined Jesus as he lay there. And, and maybe it wasn't like a medical examination, but, but just think, when you have a newborn baby in front of you, you want to look them all over. You want to look at their toes, their fingers, their eyes. You, you want to see it all even if it's not your baby it's natural to want to look at babies when they're born a newborn baby it's it's what we do as people we goo goo gaga over the newborn i've i've learned that cuz i do it still and i probably never will stop but i i i've noticed this that the, they probably showed up and they were looking and examining jesus and it was like God was putting the sacrificial lamb that he sent to this earth through the same steps that the other sacrificial lambs had to go through. I find this actually to be kind of a common occurrence when you begin to study the life of Jesus. Because the lamb had to be born without blemish and spot and without defect, but it also had to live a life, and when it came to maturity to where it could reach that certain point where it could be used for a sacrifice. Up until that point, it had to remain without blemish or spot. So during this time between birth and sacrifice, there was this period where the shepherds had to watch over the sheep and keep them clear of all blemish, keep them clear and pure from anything that would pollute their ability to be sacrificed. And when you begin to look at Jesus and his life, As the ultimate sacrificial lamb, you see in the Scripture that he lived that life. He was tempted. He had opportunity to be hurt. He had opportunity to to fall innocent. He was tempted by the devil in the wilderness for 40 days and nights. He had every opportunity. He had opportunity to walk away. He could have easily called down angels from heaven on that cross and said, I'm not going to do this. I'm done with this. But instead, before he even went to the cross, he said, Lord, he said, Father, your will, not my will. I will do what you want me to do. He lived his life perfect and sinless and without spot. And, and I find it interesting that when you read about the crucifixion of Jesus, you find that Pilate and Herod, Herod both looked at Jesus and said, we find no fault with him. You want to kill him, but he did nothing to deserve it. He is sinless. He has done no wrong. these shepherds were kicking off the journey just like they would with any other sacrificial lamb. This adds so much weight and so much power to this story. It wasn't just a random act of, well, hey, these shepherds are close by. Let me go tell them and let them come. God knew what he was doing when he went and spoke to them. He, he had a plan in his mind that I'm going to make a symbol and, and, and let these people know, let the, the parents, Joseph and Mary, and, and the rest of the world know through these shepherds that the ultimate sacrificial lamb has arrived. You see, this experience for these shepherds was powerful. That I I wish I wish if I had a time machine I could go back. This is one of those points in history that I would love to go to and I'd try to sneak in. Of course God would be able to call me out He knows all but it would be a great thing if I could just like sneak into this moment and watch it all take place. I would love to be there on that night. I would love to have have been a, a fly on the wall, or or even just a donkey in the stable, watching and seeing what was happening in this moment. This was a powerful, powerful time. I think we we lose some of the weight of what happened this night at Christmas time. You know, and it's not because we are intentionally forgetting, but we get wrapped up in in the go, 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 and the parties and the fun and the fellowship that comes with the Christmas season. And I think we get so used to hearing the Christmas story every year that it begins to be one of those things that it almost falls on deaf ears. But when you begin to reevaluate the events that took place, this was such a special thing. It carries so much weight. So much weight. Christ is the ultimate sacrificial lamb, and these shepherds were first on the scene. I want us today want us to today remember the weight of all of this, the power of Christ's sacrifice, and, and that the shepherds were the ones that kicked off this journey. This, this is the night that started the road to redemption for all of us. That This is when Jesus arrived. There's so much to unpack with all of this. This is when Jesus arrived to finally bring forth the new covenant. In Hebrews 10, 11, and 12, it says this, every priest stands day after day ministering and offering the same sacrifices time after time, which can never take away sins. But this man, meaning Jesus, after offering one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. There is so much to unpack. If you go read Hebrews 9 and 10, it really takes you through this journey of all of of the weight and the, and the, the work that went into making these sacrifices, the commitment of these priests in these days. But these two verses really summarize it. It said, every priest... All of them, the whole group of them, stands all day, every day, day after day, ministering and offering the same sacrifices time after time, and it's never enough. Think about that. Think about the thousands of sacrifices from the very first sacrifice to the very last sacrifice that had to be made for sin. Thousands upon thousands of sacrifices were made. None of them could satisfy and atone for our sins. That is a lot of bloodshed. That is a lot of work. Think about these shepherds raising these sheep. The the tediousness, the the carefulness that they had to to walk in and work, and they, they couldn't be careless with these sheep. They had to keep them perfect for sacrifice they had to keep them without even a scratch on them the work that would go into that the work that would go into constantly day after day all day constantly making sacrifices for our screw ups our sins our mistakes it was never enough and it never would be enough That's a heavy weight. But in verse 12 it says, but this man Jesus made one sacrifice. Just one. And it took care of sin forever. And when his work was done, he no longer needed to stand and continue to make sacrifice the Bible says he went and sat down at the right hand of God. That is so powerful to think about. When you think about, when you put this on a scale and you put all the sins, all of them, the sins of the entire world from the beginning of time through the end of time. If I just evaluate my own life, that's a lot. But if I, I unless somebody in here is perfect, which I, I, according to scripture, nobody is, But you start putting them all together, that scale gets really heavy. And then you try so hard to make enough sacrifice, to do enough of the right thing, to to be a good enough person, to, to do enough right, to be generous enough, to be kind enough, and you can never do it. You always fall short. So it, it, it goes beyond the intentional rebellion. There, you can try your best to be a good person, and you still could never satisfy, even with thousands of sacrifices. I'm trying to paint a picture here of the weight of what Christ did. Because it's a heavy, heavy thing that he did for us. Because when you take all the sins you and I and, and the rest of the world have ever committed and ever will commit, and you put them on this scale, and all of a sudden, you, you've tried to balance out the scale. You've tried to even get it to just tilt just ever so slightly with thousands and thousands of sacrifices, and it doesn't even budge. But all of a sudden, this one man comes on the scene. And when he gets on the scale with his sacrifice, all of a sudden the scale doesn't just balance out, it exceeds and it totally outweighs the sins of us all. That's why the Bible tells us in the book of Romans that where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. It's not that what Jesus did was just enough. It was more than enough. At this point, wherever you're at in your life, whatever sins you may or may not have committed, whether you remember them or not, Jesus is more than enough to cover those. In fact, He is so much more than enough that everything that, would, that you would continue to mess up along the way from this point forward, there's still more grace. And there will be some left over after that. That is such a beautiful thing to think about. And it all started with this wonderful not-so-silent night. The shepherds were the first to be there. I wish I could have been there with them. These shepherds were the first ones to lay eyes on Jesus, just like they would one of their own lambs these swaddling clothes that were wrapped around this baby that night as they looked upon him and worshipped him and gave glory to him and as he laid in that manger. Mary and Joseph, the Bible says Mary, They, they the shepherds ran off and, and began to just tell everybody about what had just happened and what they had just seen and what God had shown them. And the Bible says Mary began to treasure all these things in her heart. You know what that tells me? is that the ministry of these shepherds was revealing something to Mary and Joseph about their son. Because it says she meditated on them. There there was something that happened that night with the visit of those shepherds that ministered to Mary and Joseph to where they they looked at this experience and, and, and it was enough to where Mary had to ponder it as if to say, what just happened?
1: What what is
0: this like? Like she knew who she was giving birth for. You can sing the song "Mary, Did You Know?" Yeah, she knew. She was told, but I say that jokingly. But she didn't know he all the different things he was gonna do. But she knew who her son was gonna be. That she was carrying the son of God. But as these shepherds showed up and they began to minister, it doesn't give us a dialogue in the scripture, but. That's why I wish I was there. I want to know what was said and what happened. That it it stirred something in her that she had to meditate on it and that she had to think on it and that she treasured it in her heart. See, these shepherds weren't just called to see and observe. They were called to minister unto that family. We may never know what was said that night between the shepherds and Mary, but what we do know is that the shepherds were on a ministry mission that night. It wasn't just for them to witness the birth. It wasn't just for them to look at Jesus and worship Jesus, but it's like God sent them on a mission there to to, through what they do, through what they know, minister unto them. I wonder if the ministry, and I can only ever speculate, was what God revealed to them? They revealed back to them, to Mary and Joseph. I wonder if they showed up and they said, "This is what happened to us. This is why we're here." Because I can only imagine that Mary and Joseph, when they when the shepherds showed up, were like, "What are you guys doing here? How how do you even know we were here?" And in my imagination, I can, I can speculate and say, well, that question probably was asked and they probably told her, well, we were just out watching our sheep. And all of a sudden, this angel showed up and told us about what was happening. And not only an angel, God's gospel choir began to sing songs of praise and glory about all of this. And it did something inside of Mary. Mary. That she, It was so deep and so heavy that she had to meditate on it. I, I don't know what was said like I said earlier, but I can imagine the way she felt. Knowing that when she was holding this baby, she was holding the one that would tilt the scale the other way. The one that would be more than enough for all. I can imagine that she probably felt like these shepherds did, that I have to keep him wrapped, I have to keep him safe, I have to keep him cared for because of his purpose. I I didn't want to preach about how Mary felt this day, but I believe these shepherds had a very important role in her life as much as they did in the visiting of Jesus for their own life. You see, this Christmas season, I'm going to rabbit trail here for just a minute. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And I'm not just talking about gifts. I'm talking about the ministry of the gospel. You see... And that goes true for all seasons. But I think sometimes we have this story that we know, this message that we know, and we have a world around us that needs this good news. And we hold it to ourselves. We go, we visit the manger, and then we just go back home. These shepherds didn't just go back to the field. They went everywhere telling everybody are you sharing this gift with those around you today? I'm going to wrap this up and land this plane this morning. But what I really wanted you all to understand today is that there is more weight to the Christmas nativity and story than we ever really truly give it credit for. We, we forget to give it the weight and the honor and the glory that it's due because we're so used to it. I don't want us to get so used to this story and and just knowing, well, here we go, it's December, so we know the pastor's going to talk about Christmas, so I'm going to shut my ears. I, I might not even go. I might just stay home and, and watch Christmas movies because I know what he's going to talk about. He's going to talk about the manger and the shepherds, and and I don't want us to have that attitude. We should have the same attitude that these shepherds did, that the wise men did, that Mary and Joseph did, that we are in awe of this manger. Because the manger is what starts it, the journey that leads to the cross. There, if there's no manger, there's no cross. And if there's no cross, there's no salvation for us. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me today?